Okay. I've written some stupid things before. I've written about Pokemon, anime, video games. This whole podcast is about wrestling. But how do you write about something that you forgot existed? Who remembers the B team? Huh? Who who really remembers the B team? I'm sure we remember the Miztourage, right? Remember when Miz had bodyguards? Yeah, yeah, I remember them. But who remembers the f***ing B team? B team, B team, go, go, go! They weren't going anywhere in my brain. Cause it clearly didn't stick in my memory. But they even won the belts. Who, who remembers when they won the belts? What, 50 days? They held the belts for 50 days? It's, it's like something that's just blocked out of my memory. How the f am I supposed to write something that I didn't know existed? B team, C team, E team, I don't know what letter they are, but what the f do you do? Are you sure that really happened? Do you know what product we're watching? Of course it did! <laughs> ladies, gentlemen, and ladies, gentlemen, my fictional friends! Welcome back to this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast! The podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane my name is connor and as much as i have said my piece about the b team i i quite liked the b team contrary to that intro i quite liked the b team because at least for the time they had some creative finishes to matches they had some variety they had some decent comedy segments and quite frankly they're a nice addition to a tag division that was lacking in characters at the time. We'll get into the whole history of the B team later and how this ties into booking them in the future, but I feel it was best to mention that first and foremost before we begin this whole random journey about what the heckings was the B team. So, before we go any further, as usual with this podcast, timestamps will be in the description. If you enjoy this episode, feel free to like, favourite, subscribe, follow, insert, review on your favourite podcast app. It helps out the channel a lot. It helps out anything. A lot. Just to show your support. Ba-da-ba, ba-di-boo, selfless plugs, yip-de-doo. With that out of the way, however, Bo Dallas... Curtis Axel, the B-team, two guys who I think are extremely underrated as a pairing. They had an excellent stuff with the Miztourage, which actually helped them get over by being associated with the Miz, whose whole, like, tenure kind of added to them, particularly because on the main roster they were kind of floundering for the majority of their careers. Granted, you had the Bo Leave gimmick with Bo Dallas, that was a huge hit in NXT. Curtis Axel had that whole thing where he was being pushed with Paul Heyman, he beat Triple H, won the IC title and held it for a decent amount of time. There was a decent period where they were solid singles wrestlers, but as we've seen with many wrestlers time and time again, they kind of got lost in the shuffle. Up until the B team, however, where they somehow won the tag belts, uh, they beat Former WWE Champion Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, a tenured tag team wrestler, to become tag team champions in what can only really be described as a very questionable run. I, I wouldn't say it was entirely bad, but very forgettable, as we've already alluded to. And for me, it left a lot of missed opportunities. Like, just because a character or a team is necessarily a comedy gimmick, like the B-Team was, with their weirdly sort of like marked on t-shirts, the whole B-Team, B-Team, go, go, go theme that was before their other really good theme, Battle Scars, which was underrated. A very good theme that felt like it had no reason to be with them, but was really good. And then they kind of got lost 
in the magical shuffle that was the tag team of the divisions. And with it, I feel we can do something better, fictional friends. And so I'm giving myself the challenge to book something that I honestly knew next to nothing about their run with. <laughs> so with all the context out of the way and me having a very long ramble, I believe it's time that we get into what on earth was the B team? What was their run like in about four minutes? So yeah, B team, B team, go, 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 I guess. Oh god, that sounded really stupid, didn't it? Let's just play the damn track. Right, so, yeah, we're gonna skip the whole Miztourage stuff, as you guys already know that they were originally associated with the Miztourage, so let's talk about the formation of the B-Team itself. Originally happening due to the Superstar shakeup, as The Miz was drafted to SmackDown, Axel and Dallas eventually turned on The Miz, ending their faction together. Eventually debuting their name, The B-Team, on the May 14th episode of Raw, where they would eventually defeat Bree Sango in their first win since August 2017. That's a long freaking time! During this, they would continually attempt to vie for the Raw Tag Team titles, essentially having various comedy skits, including them marking crayons on their t-shirts to show the letter B, standing for best team, definitely not a ripoff of the A team, in which they would eventually win a battle royal to earn the number one contenderships for the Raw Tag Team titles on the June 4th episode of Raw. It's at this point they build to Extreme Rules, where the B-Team, shockingly enough, wins the Raw Tag Team titles from, do you know who this is? Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. What an odd couple tag team that kind of happened for no reason. They would eventually continue to hold on to the belts and successfully retain the titles at the SummerSlam pre-show against The Revival, whilst also defending it prior to this against Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt again, until they would quickly and eventually drop the belts to Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, ending their 50-day reign as Raw Tag Team Champions. Now, the group would have an on and off again sort of relationship within the tag team division. They would eventually be part of the Raw Smackdown Tag Team Survivor Series match, which they would go on to lose as part of Team Raw. They would eventually, well, at least one half, would be in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal in Curtis Axel. Then they'd be part of the Superstar Shakeup on Smackdown on February 28th, 2020. Keep in mind they won the belts in 2018. Literally nothing happened with them. Up until both wrestlers eventual releases around April 30th, 2020. So as you can see, the B team was a flash in the pan gimmick, so to speak. They split off from the Miztourage, which is arguably one of the highest runs of their career, to appearing almost non-existent on the WWE roster after losing the tag titles to McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. Again, another weird tag team to win it, but we digress. It's the Raw Tag Division at the time. But with it, it brings a lot of questions. First of all, why were all of their finishes particularly focused on these accidental finishes without little development? Why didn't we get any sort of escalation of the group? Why were they not featured more considering they were former Raw Tag Team Champions? And maybe that's something that's particularly unknown to all of us. I, I'm not going to be doing the research on dirt sheets or anything particularly like that. But it gives a lot of room on the table for creativity. And perhaps even, shocker of horrors, potential character growth. With two people, formerly Stooges, finally trying to find themselves a place inside the Raw Tag Team Division. And that's basically the story of the B-Team in about four minutes. Uh, very sad when you think about it, considering their rise to the top of their division was so quick, and it ended just as quick. 
that wasn't a great sentence, but still, it's as incoherent as the sentence I have just mentioned. And it really, it really speaks to the state of WWE's tag team division at the time, especially on the Raw side, that you had, to be fair, a decent amount of tag teams. You had, I went back and checked some of the segments with the B team. You had Heath Slater and Rhino, you had The Ascension, you had uh, Titus Worldwide, you had some of the people like Sheamus and Cesaro, The New Day, The Usos. A lot of like well-established tag teams, not all necessarily on the Raw brand, I know, but a decent amount of tag teams that you can make a very, you know, competitive division. But nothing really came of it. Like, nothing really. They kind of just threw Dallas and Curtis a bone and then quickly took it away the minute they saw Big Beefy Drew and Dolphy Ziggles. And don't blame me here, I love Big Beefy Drew, but I feel like their tag division could have had much more exploration within it. And with it, I think it's best that we get onto the ideas of this booking now that we've given all the context in a little segment I like to call the tagline in which... You may or may not know what this segment is, but I will tell you what it is. It is me basically giving you a 30-word summary of what I plan to do with the wrestler or wrestlers of the week. Think of it like a summary you'd see on Netflix. Think of it like a summary you'd even see on Crunchyroll. Think of it as all the answers to questions like... Why on earth did we not get a longer reign with Big E? I just feel sad for the guy, you know? Like him winning the belt and them just suddenly being on SmackDown and being almost non-existent. Can, can Brock Lesnar stop beating up members of the New Day? Like, really? Like, I'm, I'm still afraid that he's going to take the crown of Xavier Woods. Like, is he going to become King Brock with the whole, like, Viking beard? Like a Nordic king? Nordic King Brock? <laughs> like, he's already been Cowboy Brock? Uh, Viking Brock? Nordic King Brock? Is that the next escalation of the Lesnar character? But anyways, we all digress. So fictional friends, please give me your energy as I attempt to convince you of a very believable, hopefully, character arc and story for the B-team in terms of fantasy booking. Cue the music, future me. Jesus, we've got some work to do. So, as we've already kind of alluded to before, the biggest issue with the B-Team act as a whole was that some of the finishes and the actions of the characters didn't really have much growth. The B-Team winning the tag titles was seen as kind of a joke, particularly the ways that they would also continue to retain the titles being of complete flukes. Take, for example, when the B-Team successfully retained against Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. Post-match, they got beaten the living S-word out by them. And whilst, you know, it's keeping them strong, they weren't the ones going for the titles again. It was the revival. I understand that the B-team was booked as kind of a comedy team, but when you're booked as the tag team champions, the top of a division of teams, there needs to be a degree of credibility. And if not you quickly lose the belt. Now, I understand that did happen with them. They had a 50-day run, but there was real potential for growth here. Think back to the New Day's first run as tag team champions. Whilst they didn't hold the belts for super long as a team, them losing the belts quickly made the audience realize actually they quite liked them. And with it, eventually developed them to having the titles again, and having the longest tag team title reign in the company's history. And with it, you can say to an extent that the B team were of the same ilk to, on the surface, comedy characters trying to prove their worth in a division that believed they didn't want them. If you go back to their segment trying to convince the rest of the teams that they should be vying for the tag titles, they kind of all passed them off as people trying to jump the line. And with that, you've immediately got this unlikely duo of people who, for the most part, are part of a roster that don't believe that they belong. 
which is quite an interesting dynamic for a group of comedy characters attempting to hold and defend a set of tag titles. So with that, I personally think that the tagline for the B team and this fantasy booking in general is winning their titles under unexpected circumstances Two former A-list bodyguards attempt to prove themselves in a tag division that does not believe that they belong. Now, you could say that kind of summarizes this team's run in their entire career. Uh, Bo Dallas being this positive, uplifting character, being like, if you believe you can achieve anything, and then quickly losing a plethora of matches throughout his tenure in this character. Curtis Axel, a guy who grew up as being the son of Mr. Perfect, the expectations fully planted on his shoulders and not quite meeting them. And because they believed that he couldn't meet it again, found himself lost in the shuffle. And if you think about it, they're in a position that makes them underdogs. Baby faces, potentially. And maybe even potential mainstays of the Raw Tag Team division. Something that they never were throughout their tenure as the B Team. So, with those questions in mind, please implore me as I attempt to rebook the B Team. Boy, have we got a lot of work. So for context before we get into this booking, this isn't going to be some one year long storyline of the B team successfully defending becoming dominant champions. Because that doesn't really fit the B team as characters, let alone as wrestlers themselves. They've always kind of been portrayed as goofy comedy underdogs to a degree. And likewise, we don't really need to do much work to develop their characters much because they had a decent build to who they were as a team in the build-up to Extreme Rules, the whole stuff with the entire Raw Tag Division, where they tried to make a feast to manipulate them to get a tag title shot, them having all these underdog, almost comedy-style finishes where they were rapidly celebrating like they just won the Super Bowl in front of commentary. A lot of that stuff is really good as, like, a solid foundation. So, our story begins post-Extreme Rules, where... The B team have already successfully captured the Raw Tag Team titles. Axel and Dallas immediately spend a near sort of commercial and comical amount of time celebrating the fact that they won the tag team titles throughout the entire show post Extreme Rules. We're talking in backstage segments running around being like, WE WON THE THING! WE WON THE THING! And seeing them going around everywhere commentary being like oh my god i'm so happy for them but can they stop celebrating this much until eventually their music plays battle scars which yes we're keeping that and never changing it to b team b team go 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 because that's the better theme they end up going around celebrating especially first in front of the raw commentary team jumping on their desk up and down doing that, running around the sort of like whole audience, going into the crowd with the belts until they eventually get back into the ring where Bo Dallas grabs a microphone, then quickly drops it and jumps back into the crowd anyway, <laughs> celebrating that they've won the tag titles because who really believed at that point that they were going to win the titles? They've been betrayed as underdogs, right? So with this, Dallas says that they, he always knew that they could win. Nobody believed that they could. The men in the back, commentary, and of course, because it's a heel promo, you people. But we believed that we were the best team in all of our hearts. That's why we're called the B Team. And now, the B Team are the best tag team in all of WWE. And it's at this point that Axel grabs the microphone. He says that they will take on all comers because they are the best team. And they know 
from overcoming all of the odds, beating every single tag team in the Battle Royal, beating the deleter of worlds, interdimensional beings they claim, that nobody can stop this tag team because they are the real team of WWE. People who have gone through thick and thin to achieve everything that they've believed and they also did it whilst giving everybody else tasty platters. So it's at this point that they call out the entire Raw Tag Team Division. And while music plays and people do come out, but it's just not the Raw Tag Team Division. Well, it's not quite them at least as groups of men and women in various sizes walk out to the ring all dressed up in these very cheaply made wrestling costumes, all wearing these clearly printed off like Microsoft Word face masks of all of these wrestlers that they clearly like printing. It's a really bad job. It's almost as bad as, you know, their t-shirts initially, but it was all like scribbled on in like markers. But imagine that, but with just sort of like those like comical face masks you can find in Halloween shops. And with it, all these people enter the ring. Everyone in the Raw Tag Team Division has a couple, and I will list off a couple. Uh, Heath and Rhino's counterparts, they, they're constantly trying to eat cheese and crackers through the face mask of their faces. That Bo and Curtis X are like, stop, stop, stop. That's, that's, that, that's way too much money. Do you know how much money we spent on printing to get you that face? No, no, oh, wait, no. No, that, that's Heath and Rhino right there. With that, their whole thing happens. It's just their back of the line. Next, uh, we go to kind of Titus Worldwide's type of one, which looks nothing like them. I like to think that they've just got these, like... <laughs> I like to think that they've just brought these random people who look nothing like them. And they just say, you're worldwide. Well, is your world back over there outside of the ring? Get out! And then, of course, we get to the Breezango one, where it's basically, they printed off, like, two comical face marks. One where it's, like, having Fandango's one, and he rips it off to reveal it's Tyler Breeze, and likewise the other way. So it's like, oh, wow, they are really good at disguises, <laughs> as they end up leaving the ring. Until we finally get to the counterparts of the Revival, which is kind of like them having official B-team merch, and eventually the final ones being Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt's counterparts, who they say, oh, you know, we always knew that we could beat you because, let's face it, we, we're the best team. I mean, how many losses have we had since we officially split up from The Miz? None, none at all. We've defeated former tag team champions, former WWE champions. We are the best team because nobody has ever beaten the B team, especially not you. And it's at this point, they attempt to take off the very cheap master, plant in a statement that they're the most dominant tag team. And it turns out that the people who got these masks were not the people they hired. It's in fact, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, who proceed to beat the living S-word out of the B-team, quickly establishing that they're coming back for their Raw Tag Team titles. And thus, with that segment ending, we get a kind of promo, just saying that, man, I can't believe the, the beam that the other guys that we had were so lifelike. And as this happens, and before Curtis Axel can completely agree with Bo Dallas's statement, here comes General Manager Baron Corbin at the time, who says that with the current circumstances happening and a request from himself and the absolute demand of Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, they will have to defend their tag team titles within a month against the Deleters of Worlds. It's at this point that at the very next week, Matt Hardy cuts a promo saying that the, in the entire multiverse, nobody could have predicted that such an atrocity would occur. And because of this, this makeshift tag team must be defeated as they 
are affecting the entire space-time continuum. This entire delusion that they bring upon us, Brother Wyatt. Bray Wyatt quickly continues the promo. He says, you know, heroes are born from accidents. Situations that deem themselves unpredictable. B-Team, you may have won the belts, man. You may be the champions, but you're not real champions, man. You, you follow, you follow your own path, but you don't follow the path of champions. You're not a real champion. You're not even a team. You're phonies. Whilst we, we follow the buzzards and of course, the entire multiverse. And at this point, we just get them at Hardy. Delete, delete, delete. And then Bray Wyatt cuts them off. B team, you better run. Better boop boop dead. <laughs> of course, the ever so classic Bray Wyatt promo. <laughs> It is at this point that the B team are constantly trying to get out of the way of defending their tag team titles. They will have singles matches against the likes of Breezango, for example, which might turn into a title match, where basically their whole dynamic is just sort of uh, the B team getting confused about Breezango changing into their sort of like disguises and be like, what? The that's not the wrestler I'm meant to be wrestling. I'm meant to be wrestling Tyler Breeze, but it's not Tyler Breeze, but it is. Eventually getting kind of the same lucky sort of pins and pinfalls they were getting before. And this continues to escalate until they eventually have to defend the titles at that random episode of Raw that we already alluded to in June. So, yes, this match does still occur with pretty much the exact same finish. The B team have an accidental win, resulting in them beating the deleter of worlds in which Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt proceed to beat them up and just like that which is all very similar to real life that stuff that happened before but with a slight twist here at the end of this segment the lights go out and all four wrestlers disappear it's at this point that we see the Wyatt and Hardys ending up in the compound. Yes, the Hardy compound that was only really used for that random ultimate deletion match in which we see Wyatt and Matt continually demand by tying up the heels of Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel and demanding that they get another Raw tag team title opportunity. You know, make the belt seem important. Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel continually refuse, saying that they're, they they haven't proven anything. They they haven't done anything. You've you've lost to us twice, right? <laughs> uh, with Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt essentially creating even more further demands, proceeding to just beat the living S word out of them. And there's something that Bray says to Bo. He just says, you know, you've always been the weakest of our family. You, you, Bo, both of you have always been the failures of your families. Curtis, you're not so perfect like your father. Bo, you're not as strong as me, as IRS. As anyone who dares follow the buzzards in this deep, dark time, you are not the B-team. You're not the best. You're not the worst. You're simply a burden. It's at this point that both members of the B-team, they, they start getting a little bit serious for the first time. And in... A weird way they they say fine you want your match take it and we'll prove that we are the best team it's at this point Hardy's 
and Bray, they actually get rid of the whole, like, ropes. They get rid of the whole thing, sort of, like, tying them up, and they, they don't essentially fully turn here. It's kind of just, like, a little bit of a nudge-nudge, because in their eyes, they've constantly been cheating, commentaries putting over how the B-team are extremely lucky. They are justified in absolutely attacking the B-team here. Because in their eyes, you know, they're intentionally cheating. When really, they're kind of not. And even in the matches building up to a rematch at SummerSlam, which this match will take place, the B-team are still winning with these very lucky pins. Ones against, you know, guys like Keith and Rhino, Brizango, not potential higher-up guys like The Revival, who we'll get to later, but they are winning matches, albeit accidentally, but not really cheating. How will this turn out at SummerSlam, you may ask? Well, we get to SummerSlam. It's Bray and Hardy versus the B-Team, and immediately Matt Hardy hits a twist of fate on Bo Dallas. He absolutely completely targets the head. He orders Bray Wyatt to come in and completely assault Bo Dallas before the bell even rings. Kurt is sitting there at the sort of like corner desperately begging for a tag and every time he goes for it, it doesn't quite work out. Because keep in mind, Matt Hardy is a tag team veteran and Bray Wyatt's a former WWE champion. They know what they're doing inside of a ring and the commentary puts over how the B team Whilst they do have moments of credibility, they've not been considered a tag team that wins on their own merits. For them, this has been an absolute Cinderella story. But the story is still going on. It doesn't end. And when you're the tag team champion, the grind, the challenge, it doesn't end. Something that uh, particularly Corey Grace says being a former NXT tag team champion really emphasizes and says that if you want to be champion, you can't just keep winning by having roll-ups. It's at this point that there's a point where Matt Hardy threatens to because Bo just keeps kicking out of everything they throw at him to hit a twist of fate on the steel steps, potentially knocking him out so that he can put him back in the ring. Curtis is trying to do what he can to try and aid in this situation, but Bray simply cuts him off. Hardy hits a twist of fate on Bo Dallas onto the steel steps, his head crashing onto the steel. He brings him in, and, well, Bo kicks out. For the first time ever, the B team shows some real heart in this match. It isn't just random luck and them blindlessly cheering, they're starting to show that maybe, just maybe, they didn't win the championships out of pure luck. There's a bit of resilience there. And this all builds to the eventual Curtis Axel hot tag. Curtis Axel runs wild suplex after suplex, eventually hitting a perfect plex shades of his father for a very clear and almost pinfall on Matt Hardy. But this is all for naught, as whilst Matt is able to tag in Braze, he goes for a splash, Bo blind tags himself in, seeing the pain that Curtis Axel is in, attempting to go for one of the lucky roll-ups that they've had before, only for it to be countered, and having Bo being delivered a Sister Abigail, in which as Curtis Axel tries to break it up, the referee says that Bo can't continue. And with it, the tag team match is now a handicap match. And with it, Curtis Axel tends to fight for all he can, but is just not able to. As eventually, the Deleter of Worlds hit their tag team maneuver and secure the victory becoming the Raw Tag Team Champions. The B-Team fought for everything that they could, but they just weren't able to retain the tag team titles in this brand new heel 
deleter of worlds who post-match assault the B-team further and hold up their raw tag team titles and claim and declare themselves the champions of the multiverse. So act two, the B-team is at the lowest of the low right now. They are desperately trying to get an opportunity for the Raw Tag Team titles from anybody, it seems. From Baron Corbin, who just, like, saying that they would cheat it out of the tag titles, in which heels continually laugh at them, tell them that they're a joke. We even get a one-off appearance from The Miz, who denounces them after they betrayed him, saying that they were useless without him, and they're continuing to prove that they are nothing without him. He carried the legacies of the Rotundas and the Mr. Perfect all on his back whilst they couldn't even carry their own weight. The B-Team does stand for something, but it's not best, it's not bothersome, it's burdens. And with it, the B-Team are almost feeling completely defeated. They try and have various singles matches throughout the weeks, not singles matches, tag team matches, and they continually lose and lose again. They're feeling sad, discouraged, and with it, vice versa, we have the Deletives of World side, who continue to say, now that they're now a new heel tag team, that they are the champions of time and space in every dimension, and that as long as they win these titles, the world and the universe in itself is fully fulfilled, thus beginning the broken era of WWE. And with it, they are all competing in what they are dubbing broken rules, which is basically all of those Matt Hardy ultimate deletion, final deletion matches and cinematic matches because, uh, you know, it would be an interesting twist to have them have those things and you know, give more depth to the tag division whilst we develop the B-team. Which, at this point, the B-team continually campaign to commentary. They start campaigning to fans. B-team for tag team champions again. B-team, B-team, go, go, go. B-team, B-team, go, go, go. Which, because it is a catchy chant, and they are trying to do it again and again and again to a point where it's almost kind of endearing it does start to get a little bit of attention from, you know, the babyface commentators and hopefully catch on with the WWE audience. It's at this point that they are interrupted by The Revival, who continue to add on that they are not a real tag team. They claim to be the greatest tag team in the world, but what teams have they really beaten? You've beaten a bunch of hodgepodge tag teams made together. They are a real tag team and as long as they're in this industry they will make sure that guys like the B team will never hold the raw tag team titles again. Thus with this they are preparing a match for next week. Despite Bo Dallas still being injured from the SummerSlam pay-per-view they are still going on with a match against the Revival. The program that they will have for at least a month building up to a potential match of we don't know what. And with this, the B-Team are, at this point, full-on babyfaces. The Revival, in their very next match with them on Raw, is basically taunting them because they've basically been told that Bo Dallas may or may not be cleared to compete tonight. And with it, the Revival cut this promo saying that they were nothing more than just the Miz's lapdogs throughout their entire career. And as long as they're still standing, they have to prove that they are a real tag team by defeating the tag team of WWE. And it's with this that we start building a story with the B-Team. They, throughout the coming weeks, will continually have matches against the Revival. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Wrestlers in WWE having repeated matches over and over and over again, shouldn't you save them? Yes. But in this instance, this is character building. They will have a total of three matches. Their very first encounter, the Revival outsmart the B-Team, using every advantage they have in the book, trying to get sympathy by beating the living S-word out of Bo Dallas's head, which is continually 
mentioned in commentary as being absolutely destroyed by the deleters of worlds. Curtis Axel continually tries to stop it with the revival taking advantage and eventually defeating them with next to no issues, beating the B team clean. But the next encounter is where things start to change. It's been a couple weeks and Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel are starting to prove themselves a bit in the ring. The comedy skits are still here and there, but there is a error of seriousness to them. The insults piling on them again and again. You have comedy heel factions like, uh, I'm trying to think of one specifically. Primo and Epico saying that they are nothing but failures to their own families, in which quickly lights up Curtis Axel, who slaps one member of Primo and Epico in the face and proceeds to beat the living S-word out of them before they just say B-team, B-team, go, go, go. Advertising their match on the very next week of Raw against the Revival. Now, in this very second encounter, the B-team gets a little bit more offense in. We start seeing less of that luck coming into play and more of their own skill, having worked for a couple more months as a team and with them actually getting some decent tag team offense in and countering for the first time the Shatter Machine for their own move that gets a very clear and close near fall, resulting in the first time the Revival resulting to cheat to win. The Revival pick up a victory, and once again, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel lose again, but they're starting to earn the crowd's respect. And thus, we reach the eventual turn of the third match, which almost doesn't happen because you see, the Revival are your main event tag team competitors. Some might say a potential number one contenders at the time. And they've already beaten the B team twice. What good reason could they have to face them again? It's at this point that Bo Dallas grabs a microphone at the end of their second encounter and he basically says that he believes that they can still be champions again. The world may not believe it, but they believe that they can because they say that being part of the B team isn't about being a winner all the time. It isn't about winning and winning and winning and winning. It's about losing and knowing that you can get back up. Even when nobody believes in you, even when nobody in the back believes in you, but when you and your partner believe in themselves. Because the B team is not a burden. It's the birth of a new era in WWE. And with it, Bo and Kurt come to a decision. If they can't beat the Revival on their third encounter at the next big pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell then they don't deserve to be a tag team anymore. And that is the stakes heading into the next pay-per-view. You can put this on either end of the card. You can put it on the pre-show, put it at the beginning, ba de ba de boo But this match is indeed happening. And with it, the B team start to get their act together to a point where they almost get a fluky roll-up pin but both members look to each other as it's about to happen and Axel gets off the cover. He gets off the cover and the pair deliver a tag team maneuver as Dash rushes in to break up the pin as the B team secure a clean victory over the Revival. One of WWE's top teams. And for the first time, we start to see this comedy duo, these unlikely pair, become viable tag team contenders, heading into Act 3. So Act 3 is pretty much basic, it's the final part. The B team, by all accounts, has earned themselves a number one contenders match, and eventually, a shot at the Raw tag team titles. At this point, the leader of Worlds emphasise what they've been saying before, that they are a speck in the universe that they control. They are nothing. They are nothing 
but what they've been said over and over again. Just because they picked up a couple victories and had a couple of catchy phrases doesn't make them the be-all and end-all of this division. And with it, the B team say that we were never meant to be the be-all and end-all. We were never meant to be winners. We were never meant to be tag team champions. But by God, we did it. Not because of our legacies, not because of the people we had behind us, but because of the effort we put in. And from this point, the B team still joke around, but there is a air of seriousness to what they're saying. They truly believe that they can be tag team champions to a point where, you know, the delay of world's actually kind of, kind of scared a bit. But with it, it eventually sets up the, you know, final encounter. The, the B team versus the leader of worlds in what will be the, I don't know what to really describe it as, a think Fools Count Anywhere mixed with your, like, ultimate deletion match. Think of it like a mixture of that, so it's like, part cinematic, part, uh, how do I describe it? Think Stadium Stampede, but with Bray Wyatt cinematics and the Broken Universe stuff. Kind of goofy, kind of not, with an area of seriousness to it, in which the match begins, you know, at the next big pay-per-view after Hell in a Cell, which is your Survivor Series. Because let's face it, you may as well have a big title match on there, once they got rid of the whole, like, tag team Survivor Series stuff. And the whole match begins with the B team actually making a bit of a special entrance. They've actually got their own t-shirt printed by WWE Shop that isn't just a random scribble. Uh, they're coming out with their, like, proper, like, tag team gear together now. And it's actually a proper thing for them. And then Wyatt and Hardy come out. It's a big brawl, weapons included, in which Bo and Kurt get a ton of the offense in, and it actually forces Wyatt and Hardy to retreat, eventually finding themselves in a place that is eerily similar to what would eventually become the Firefly Funhouse, you know, tie in some continuity here, because after the whole deleter of world stuff, Bray becomes, you know, the thing that is the fiend. And with it, you get to see, for the first time, as this is happening, they're chasing after them in these narrow black corridors, chasing after them again and again and again. We see flashbacks of them seeing their past selves, the Bo Leave gimmick, the alignment with Paul Heyman, them just trying to push out the way of all of it until they are confronted by versions of themselves in Matt Hardy's own words versions of themselves from a different universe the more successful ones the obedient ones who stuck around with the Miz some that got more corporate roles in the wrestling business all of that stuff and what they do is simply well it's quite simple they push him aside they brawl with Matt and Bray, we get a very close nearfall shades of their match at SummerSlam where Matt just continually targets the head of Bo Dallas with weapons alike, hitting a twist of fate and a leg drop through a table that Kurt at Curtis Axel breaks up, all leading to another spot where they could have got a fluke pin, but they want to prove it in the ring. So they drag Bray and Hardy back to the ring. They hit a tag team finish that I can only really describe as the Bulldog transitioned into a fisherman suplex to get the one, two, three. Against all odds, against all of the cosmos and the universe, the B team win the Raw tag team titles, overcoming their demons, overcoming their insecurities about being failures their own legacies and build their own legacies. One that isn't a burden, one that isn't defined by other people, but defined by their own merits. And what do you want to do with them next? Well, you can put them in the same thing they had in real life against Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler, but now you have a more credible team. Uh, 
He can put them against, you know, the other team that was happening at the time, Rollins and Ambrose. You can put them against other members of the division and emphasize that there is a serious element to them. And with it, you have just enough because you put them in the deleter of worlds thing that there is an air of goofiness that you can indeed keep, a la, you know, the New Day. And with it, keep yourself some fun little things down the line. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how I would book the B team. And so that is the end of this week's fantasy booking. I, was it good? Was it bad? Was it meh? I don't know, but maybe you do. So if you liked it, if you didn't, feel free to drop a comment down on YouTube. Maybe even tell me on Twitter or Instagram or even TikTok, all at Wrestling With Fiction. And maybe we can get some more conversations going about this. Do you think the B team could have been more than what they were? Do you think that maybe they could have been utilized better? You know, it's all a mystery. It's all subjective. That's the beauty of wrestling. So with that, I'm glad that that whole thing is over. Uh, once again, this was a real challenge to book the B team, considering I barely remembered anything about their run. And honestly, that's a real shame, because the bits that I saw, I genuinely felt they could have been much more utilized as a team. But, you know, that's a story for another day. And with it, if you liked this episode, maybe consider leaving a like, uh, giving a review on Insert Your Favorite Podcast app on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Insert Your Favorite Podcast app, and... You know, that helps out the podcast, even so, one bit at a time. I want to get my very first proper review this year, and if you want to be the very first, well, here's your opportunity. So, with that out of the way, I want to say thank you all so much for listening. I hope all of you have a lovely day, and remember everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody. <laughs>